All right. Well, today we are week three of Advent, the week of joy. And so this is all based on one of my life verses that I'm sure you have heard me say numerous times. The joy of the Lord is my strength out of Nehemiah. And so I get a little excited when I start talking about this topic because the truth is, is that I've had to fight to be in the place of joy. I've had to fight for that in my life. It's not my natural personality maybe to approach life with a perspective of joy. And so I've had to, to work to attain that place and to choose joy. And so today we're going to celebrate this joy of the Lord that is our strength. Because the truth is, is that we are at a place in time in society when we require a new strength. We require great strength to live in this culture that we live in. And so the weak Christian is not going to do well, is not going to thrive in our culture. It takes strength to stand courageously and to go against the tide of things when you are being constantly judged as a person that is unloving, as a person that is not accepting. It takes strength to stand in that place. And so today I want to fan into your heart a new infusion of joy. I heard we had a team back in the prayer meeting at 8.30 praying in the prayer room, and I heard them praying for a release of joy in the house today. And so that's our prayer for you today, that as the word of God comes to your heart, that joy would jump up in response to that word. And so let's just take a moment and just invite the Holy Spirit, for he is joy. And so, Lord, today I pray that as we come to your word, that there would just be a, a, a response to the word being deposited inside of our hearts, and joy, joy would erupt and meet the word of God in our hearts. And so, Lord, where there needs to be a fresh outpouring of joy upon hearts, I ask that your word would be living and active this morning and accomplishing it. In Jesus' name, amen. And so... We read out of Luke chapter 2 today. Here's what's happening. The angel of the Lord is standing before the, the shepherds, and they really are ushering in a new era, a new era of joy. He's saying, don't be afraid. Behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be for all people. For unto you to this day, in the city of David, a Savior is born, who is Christ the Lord. And so they're ushering in and declaring, declaring this new era that is arriving through the birth of the Messiah. And it is tidings of joy. And you know, Darren and I, we were, so now that we've been preaching on the same thing every week in two different places, we've been like doing some note comparison. He's like, what are you preaching out of? What, and, and I, you know, the last time I preached here, I gave that illustration and I gave credit to Darren, do you remember? And afterwards he was like about accusing me of using it. I said, I gave credit to you. Okay, okay. <laughs> So we've been doing, so last night before bed, we were talking about our, our sermons. And so he, we were in this verse, and he was looking at that word tidings. And you know that word tidings is actually the word for evangelism, the sharing of the news. And so the angel's already beginning this ministry of evangelism that is going to sweep through the new church to share the tidings of great joy. And so today, we want to just say, I would like some more of that joy. I just don't think we can get the, enough of joy. The more, the better, right? I don't think I've ever been in a place where I've said, Lord, I've had enough joy. Thank you. No, I'm always like, more, Lord, more, Lord. I want more joy. I don't want to be satisfied with this wonderful gift of it that I've had. I want more of it. And so today, 
let's all just agree to say, yes, Lord, I want more joy. More joy, right? If any of you are not saying that, then we all need to come and pray over you right now. (laughs) More joy. Now, it does no good to give you more joy if there are things that you allow in your life to steal joy, right? I can, you can have God over here pouring out joy, pouring out joy, and you over here allowing the enemy just to seep it right out of your life. And so today what was in my heart was to, to share, I think I have five, five things that will steal joy out of your life. Because what we want is for you to have God give you more joy and you keeping the joy, walking in the joy, living in the joy. And so the question today is, what steals your joy? And some of these, you know, are going to be like, I don't want to talk about that. Talking about that doesn't bring me joy. But sometimes, now Derek is studying medicine, right, Derek? He wants to go into the medical field. Sometimes, Derek, you got to take nasty medicine to be well, right? Right. So when my kids were little, we used to, you know, give them supplements for different things, and we would crush them up. For a long time, they couldn't eat strawberry applesauce anymore (laughs) because I had crushed so many supplements in and fed them that way. You know, as Mary Poppins says, a spoonful of sugar makes the medicine go down. So today I'm going to be giving you a little bit of medicine maybe, but you're just going to have to swallow it because in the end you'll be well and joyful. So the first thing here that we want to address in the stealing of the joy is the, the, the issue of not walking out the commandments of the Lord. And in Isaiah, I I talk about this one all the time, when Isaiah says, oh, that you had just gone the way I wanted you to go, then you would have had peace and righteousness. And so today in John chapter 15, I find this one interesting because if, if you read through the whole section here, this is the passage that talks about abiding in Christ, living and dwelling in Christ. And so it says in verse 11, these things I have spoken to you. Why? That my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. How many of you would like his joy to remain in you and to be full of joy? Right? We all want that. Okay, so the question here is, What are the things he has spoken of? So if you go to John chapter 15 and go back a couple of verses to verse 9, it says, As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. So there's this correlation between his love and keeping his commandments. And then the verse I just read, verse 11, These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. Verse 12, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. So Jesus is speaking of what? The two greatest commandments. And sandwiched in between the two greatest commandments is may my joy remain in you and may you be full of joy. And so, commandment one is love God. Commandment two, love others. Jesus speaks specifically of these commandments And he doesn't speak of them. You know, some people have this picture of God as laying down the law. And you must follow, 
from that place of judgment. And there is a place of judgment. But this is the joy of the new covenant. This is supposed to be out of relationship that we keep all of these commandments and laws. It's for the place of joy, not condemnation, not fear of what might happen, out of love relationship. And so Jesus is saying in this place of of loving God and loving people, your joy is full. It's complete. Now, I, I often feel like I do number one pretty well, love God. Sometimes I think maybe where I get tripped up is the second one, loving people. Because he, he, doesn't, he doesn't qualify this commandment, love people that love you. He doesn't say, love people that you like. Love people that you get along with. Love people that, you know, you may, you don't have a good personality mesh. Your personalities clash. Don't worry about that. Don't worry about them. He didn't say that. He doesn't qualify it. So who are the people we are to love? The people that love you. The people that have offended you. I get tried by that one quite often, truthfully. That's when I feel like I'm truly being tested in my love of people. When people have wounded me, when people have brought me sorrow, am I loving them or am I bitter and offended toward them? That's when the test comes up in my life. And, and there's usually a process Jesus has to bring me through to bring me back to, okay, I need to love unconditionally. The people that rub me the wrong way. There's no exception for them in this. Love one another. Love people. And if I'm loving the people I don't get along with well, I'm most likely loving everybody else well. You know, we, sometimes we work really hard to, to love our family and our spouse, which is good. But if I'm a person that is striving to love people I don't get along with or I don't agree with or I don't like, then I'm probably doing pretty well at loving the other people as well. So I would say focus on those people, loving those people. And there's something that happens. To be honest, I've had to walk through this recently. And there's something that happens when you walk out the scripture, and it's not dependent on the other person. You reach out and you love somebody, and they don't reciprocate. You know what? Jesus is so pleased with your love. It brings such joy to the Father's heart to see you love unconditionally. And when you know you are bringing pleasure to Jesus, there's so much joy in that. There's so much joy released to you. Even in the sorrow maybe of a broken relationship, there's this joy of knowing you are in perfect union with Jesus because you've walked out his commandments. You've done things his way. And so walking out, you know, he gave us two, two commandments to walk out, love God and love people, and your joy will be full and complete. It's not easy, is it? It's not, yeah, we're going to love God and we're going to love people. And then you go to work on Monday. Am I really going to love God and love people? I'm going to love God today. And you put some worship music on and you start loving Jesus. And he's like, no. You can put a pause on that music, go talk to that person, and then come back, right? It sounds easy. Love God, love people. Walking it out is another thing. But your joy, his joy will be in you if you do it. And this is all ages. So when you're being bullied in school... Or the kid next door is annoying you in the locker next to you. Or your neighbor steals your deer 
that you shot. Caleb would like to tell you all about it afterwards. Do I still want to love people? Oh, I told you, you got to swallow your medicine today. I've been swallowing mine. I, I have been. So number one thing that will steal your joy is not walking in his commandments. Number two, not walking in prayer will steal your joy. Not walking in his presence will steal your joy. In John chapter 16, it says a woman, when she is in labor, has sorrow because her hour has come. But as soon as she has given birth to the child, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. Therefore, you now have sorrow. But I will see you again. So Jesus is talking to the disciples here. And he's telling them, I'm going to leave. But I will see you again, and your heart will rejoice. And your joy no one will take from you. And in that day, you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Until now, you've asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you shall receive, that your joy may be full. Now, in that, let's talk for a minute about this. So, the disciples were notorious for asking questions of Jesus that you read now and you're like, why are you asking him that question, you know? Who's going to sit next to you, Jesus? It feels a little bit sometimes like children drama, the questions that the disciples would ask Jesus. And, and so really when, in verse 23, he's saying, in that day you will ask me nothing. There's coming a day, he's saying, when the Holy Spirit is going to be poured out. And you will know. You will not be asking these questions anymore because you will have the Holy Spirit revelation of what the kingdom of God is. And you can see that transformation. You know, you have Peter before the Holy Spirit. Then you have Peter after the Holy Spirit. And immediately after Peter's filled with the Holy Spirit, he's preaching the gospel like he's been studying this thing for years. It's the Holy Spirit through him. And, and he's not asking these questions, these foolish, childish questions of Jesus anymore. Now he is preaching in power the revelation of the new covenant. Why? The Holy Spirit has revealed all things. And so Jesus is saying, in that day, you're not going to need to ask these questions anymore. I've, I've sent you to receive the Holy Spirit, and he will reveal all things to you. And, you know, we just finished praying for one another. And I love this, that until now you've asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. The person that is not praying is the person that is not seeing answered prayer. And there's something that happens when you see. Did you have a little bit of joy, Todd, when you got that report from the doctor? Yeah. Could you all see the joy on Catherine as Todd was sharing his testimony? Yes. There's joy when he answers. And so the, the person that is not in prayer, they're not going to have the joy. Your joy will leak out if it's not sustained in the place of prayer. And, and the place of prayer is the place of engagement with his presence with his presence. This is why we're not just about singing songs and sounding good, although I thought the worship team sounded amazing today. But without his presence, it doesn't matter. Listen, I've listened to a lot of beautiful Christian worship, and when this presence is not there, all I'm doing is singing. I'm not engaging with the living presence of Jesus Christ. And when you engage in the presence of Jesus, there is fullness of joy. 
And so if you're not in the place of prayer, you're not connecting with his presence. And you are putting a wall. There was that word today about the walls coming down. That prayerlessness is a wall. And if you want joy, you've got to lower this wall and engage with his presence. Everything else is religion. And you all know where I stand on the subject of religion. It goes in the stinky heap. Right? Religion is stinky. And I don't want to be near it. Nobody wants to be near religion because it's stinky. Nobody wants to. We drove last night through a skunk smell, and immediately your response is, ew. That's what religion smells like. It's outwardness with no relationship with the living presence of Jesus. And so if you want to have the fullness of joy, you must have his presence. In Luke chapter 1, Mary Mary goes to visit Elizabeth, right? And they're both pregnant. And in verse 43, it says, Why is this granted to me, Elizabeth, saying it, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. Blessed is she who believed, for there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. When you encounter the presence of Jesus wherever it is, in the womb, out of the womb, wherever it is, the response is a leap of joy. And so you want joy in your life, get into the presence. And I can always tell when I have not had enough time in his presence. I get decidedly lack of joyfulness in my life. (laughs) And it kind of is a cue to me. Maybe it's time to go sit at the feet of Jesus for a while, Cammie. And I was so blessed Thursday night in Petersburg. We had such a beautiful time of worship. And I just was sitting at the feet of Jesus and... And the Lord, I, I was just, I was feeling like a Martha, you know. I've just had so much. This time of year is always my busiest season. I've felt it this year. And I, it seemed like every week I had something new added to the plate that I needed to do. And I was just sitting at the, and I just felt the heart of Jesus say, if you want to be with me, it will not be taken from you. It will not, it will not be taken from you. Come sit at my feet. And there's something, you hear me all say this all the time, because everybody has excuses. I can give excuses. Everybody's busy. But if I'm too busy to sit at the feet of Jesus, I'm too busy. I'm too busy. And and we're coming into January where we'll be focusing on the first, first of things. And if the feet of Jesus is not the first place in your life. What you try to do then is live life outside of his presence. And so you can find and walk in his presence first and everything else will go easier. Or you can try to fit Jesus in here, there, and everywhere and you'll struggle to make anything work with a decided lack of joy. And so... We must hear the call of Jesus saying, come to me, you who are hungry and thirsty. Make room for me. Isn't that the whole purpose of the Christmas Advent season is to make room for Jesus. And where his presence is, there is joy. David, David understood things that nobody else really did. And as he is... In Acts chapter 2, it actually quotes David. And when David is running from Saul, he writes this psalm. You have made known to me the ways of life. You will make me full of joy in your presence. There is no substitute for this. There is no friend. 
There is no activity. There is no job. There is no marriage. There is no child that can give you the joy that you need. Only the presence of Jesus. Only the presence. The rest is fleeting. And then, you know, something happens in a relationship. Something happens in a marriage. Something happens between your child. Something happens in your job. Something happens within your friendships. What can separate me from the love of God? Nothing. Nothing can separate me from the love of God. In his presence is fullness of joy. The third, the third thing that will steal your joy is not walking in the Holy Spirit. Okay, this one feels a little obvious as it is a fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5. But the fruit of the Spirit is... You should all sing the song for me. Who knows the children's song? Oh, Kelsey, come on. <laughs> Love, joy. It's a fruit of the Spirit. That means if I want joy in my life, I need the Holy Spirit in my life. It's pretty simple. I feel like I shouldn't really even make it a point, but it isn't. Befriending Holy Spirit would do you well. He's been sent to walk with you through this life, to be your sidekick, to be walking step by step together. And the verse, if you come onto my porch and sit for a little while on my swing, you will be reminded of this verse in Romans that you hear us quote often. The kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Not walking by the Spirit will steal your joy. The fourth is not walking in the Word. Not walking in the Word. Now, I want you to go turn with me to Nehemiah chapter 8. I miss preaching out of my Bible. I really do. But I hate preaching with my glasses on. So I have to type it in 16-point font. <laughs> I'm going to have... I'm going to have Todd pray for me after church. <laughs> In Nehemiah chapter 8, I love the book of Nehemiah. It's so powerful, especially in the area of intimidation. But in chapter 8, man, I, this is like the pastor's dream right here in chapter 8. Now all the people gathered together as one man in the open square that was in front of the water gate and they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded Israel. Pastor's dream right there. For all of you to be clamoring, give us the word. We want the word. Show up on my front porch. Give us the word. We want the word. So Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly of men and women and all who could hear with understanding on the first day of the seventh month. Then he read it from it, then he read from it in the open square that was in front of the water gate from morning until midday, before the women, the men and women and those who could understand. That's a long time, really, to be, let the word of God be read to you. I mean, we struggle. I mean, you all are unique, and you hang out here for two hours. Most congregations can't make it more than an hour, although we can watch a two- or three-hour movie. However, that's beside the point. <laughs> they were hanging in there. They were hungry for the Word of God. And Nehemiah, who was the governor, Ezra the priest and scribe, and the Levites, who taught the people, said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn nor weep. For all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. I feel like they were weeping out of a sorrow of, look at all that we should have been doing and walking in that we haven't been. But then he said to them, 
go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, and send portions to those for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy to our Lord. I love this. They've made this a celebration. Hey, this isn't about condemnation over what you haven't been doing. The word has now come to you. And so now you have opportunity to take joy in it and to walk it out in life. And this is where we find our, 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 our text for today. For, uh, for um, do not sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So the Levites quieted all the people, saying, Be still, for the day is holy. Do not be grieved. And all the people went their way to eat and drink, to send portions and rejoice greatly, because they understood the words that were declared to them. So powerful. They had the revelation that came to them of the word of God. And it became a day not of condemnation and sorrow, but joy and celebration of feasting. For the word drew near to them. And praise the Lord, that word became flesh and drew near to us. And now we have fullness of joy. Now the living word has become our strength. It's not just the law of the Lord that, that, we are, that we are finding the joy from. It is the living word, Jesus Christ. And he draw, we draw near to him, and he drew near to us. And now his joy is our strength. The power of his word. And even when he calls you to hard things, when the word comes, and it's a, maybe a corrective word, or it's a, it's a word of, of, you know, something that's saying, hey, I want you to go do this. And, and it's difficult. There's still this joy that comes because you've heard the living word of God speaking to you. And I don't know about you, but there's nothing. I've had seasons where it's like, God, I can't hear you. What are you saying? I can't hear your voice. And so it doesn't matter what he says to me. I just need to know he's speaking to me. And as long as I know my Father is speaking to me, I have joy. I have joy. And so not walking in the Word will steal your joy. And number five, not being connected, which I'm preaching to the choir here, but not being connected to the body of Christ will steal your joy. You were created to be within the body of Christ. And if you're not within the community, then you're not in, you're, your joy will be taken. In 1 Thessalonians, it says, and you hear this heart of Paul all the time. But in 1 Thessalonians 2, he says in verse 18, Therefore we wanted to come to you, even I, Paul, time and again, but Satan hindered us. For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Is it not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ that is coming? For you are our glory and joy. And in 1 John he says, and these things we write to you that your joy may be full. Listen, all through, you hear the heart of of Paul all throughout the New Testament. The joy that he took from the body of Christ. And so much, they, they were not, it was not this utopia of wonderful living that, you know, oh, they went house to house eating bread. Oh, how glorious. Listen, they had problems. And you have them working through issues through the New Testament. They had issues they had to work out, but they committed to working them out because there's power in one anotherness. There's power within the body of Christ, and there should be joy and delight because it is the body of Christ. We say that phrase, and I think that we lose sight that we are actually talking about the body of the living Christ. He is the head 
of the church. We are the church. We are the body of the head. And if you have pain in your body, do you have joy? Not always. All you feel is pain, right? But when the body is as it should be, there's joy, there's thriving. And so if you want joy, you got to stay in the body. You can't leave it to go off and do whatever. I, I just need Jesus, me and Jesus. Well, I'll tell you, the body of Christ is part of Jesus. So if you need Jesus, you need the body. <laughs> you can't just have the head. you got to have the whole thing, the head and the body. Make up Jesus. So you and Jesus is, you know, you, me, and Jesus. It's all of us. And there's joy in that. Yes, there's pain. Yes, there's trial with one another. But when, if you're committed to working through the difficulties, if you're committed to working through the disagreements, and I'm committed to working through the disagreements, we can make it. Why? Because we're kind to one another. We love one another. We're gentle with one another. We bear one another's burdens. We pray for one another. We spur one another on to good works. And so if we're all committed to being this for each other, we can work through the difficult things. And if there's nothing else for it, all I know is is that you are his body, You are his body. He died for you. He died for you. He died for you. And how can I do anything against the body of Christ? I find myself in a place of trembling if I I cannot work through the issues to love and to fulfill scripture with you. There's a place of trembling in that because I view you as the body of Christ. And I take that sincerely. And I take that with a a certain level of, what's the word I'm looking for, but responsibility. Because when, when I treat Connie a certain way, I'm treating Jesus that way. And, you know, maybe Derek drives me crazy. He doesn't. I love Derek. But maybe he does sometime. I don't know. He hasn't yet. But if he did, I have to be very cautious in how I interact with him because he's part of the body of Christ. And so I don't want to get on a whole sermon on that. You can go back to our YouTube channel and find my sermon on the community of Christ for further information. But I want to say that joy is found in his body. And so if you feel like you're you're having trouble walking in joy, maybe check how connected you are to the body of Christ. These are all areas where I have to constantly be checking myself in, and I do. I evaluate how are my relationships in the body. I evaluate How engaged am I in the word of God? I evaluate how connected am I in prayer and in his presence. You know, I'm constantly checking these things because I don't want the enemy to have access to my joy. I want to walk in joy. I want to walk in strength. And so I I have to make sure that my heart is in the right place in all of these areas. Joy is a gift of grace. It's been given to you that you can endure your race to the end all the way. In Hebrews 12, which is right after Hebrews 11, the chapter on faith, when all of those that have run the race in faith, Hebrews 12, it says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Joy is given that you can endure to the end. Jesus didn't want to walk his journey, did he? 
he, he pretty clearly said that in the garden. God, if it be your will that this cup would pass from me, that would be awesome. But it wasn't God's will for the cup to pass. And so Jesus had to look forward with joy in order to endure it. And we have this race. I have my race. You have your race to run to the end. And I'm determined to finish my race. I hope you're determined to finish yours. And so in order to finish my race, through trial, through difficulty, through places where it feels like maybe the cross that Jesus says I should take up daily feels a bit heavy, and I'm losing patience, and I feel like I'm losing strength, we fix our eyes on the joy before us. There will come a day when we are face-to-face with Jesus. And when that day comes, it will be like that pregnant woman, and we will forget about the anguish of childbirth. We will forget the pain that we walked through for the glory of his face-to-face presence. And so if you'll keep your eyes fixed on that moment and not lose sight of that, you'll be able to endure to the end. That is our joy. And when we start to lose joy, it's because we start to to lose sight of our end, of our prize, which is Jesus Christ. He's the prize for which we are running toward. And in 1 Peter, in this you greatly rejoice Though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. Has anybody ever been grieved by various trials? How many of you are being grieved by a various trial today? (laughs) That the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen you love. You haven't seen Jesus face to face, but how many of you say, yes, I love my Jesus. Though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with what? With joy inexpressible and full of glory. Receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Listen, we've got trials, we've got tribulations. Some of them are tragic trials. Some of them are heavy, heavy difficulties. And I don't underestimate them. What I do is overestimate my Jesus in saying that one glimpse of him will cause all others to fall before him. Every trial will bow at the glory of being face-to-face with Jesus. And so how do I endure? How do I endure? I endure because I continue to believe. I continue to rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. I'm not going to do it with a little bit. I'm going to do it with a lot. I'm going to not just give a little bit half-hearted. Oh, yeah, I'm giving joy today. No, I'm going to choose in the midst of the trial. And, And you do. In that moment, you say to your flesh, no way, you don't get to choose. My spirit is saying, I am coming face to face with Jesus. And so I'm running all the way to the end because I know one glimpse of him is all that is needed for the rest to pass away. We used to sing that old song, didn't we? How did that go, Kathy? Well, that's a good one, too. I'm not thinking of that one, though. I'm thinking of turn your eyes to Jesus. Look full in his wondrous face. And the things of earth will go strangely dim in light of his glory and grace. That's a powerful song because it gives us the perspective we need to walk in. We just too often let our eyes get down onto the things of this earth. And to walk in joy is to walk with our eyes fixed on his face. And so I'm going to ask as we close here for the worship team to come. I want to just close out with this. With the wise men in Matthew chapter 2. 
Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. So they've had a glimpse of this. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes, the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, and here I'm sure he was super excited to hear this prophecy as the king, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child, and when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. When the king, when they heard the king, they departed. And behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And you know, at the end of that, did they go back to King Herod? No. They were divinely warned in a dream they should not return to Herod. They departed for their own country another way. I find something interesting in this passage. They see the star and they're like, oh, there's a star there. Let's follow that star. Let's go see over there what's happening. And and there was this purpose that they had. They were going to bring these gifts to lay before the king, Jesus. But then they get called aside by King Herod. And what happens there is that their purpose gets a bit sidetracked. They hear Herod, and then they continue on, and they they carry this assignment now of Herod to find this child. We all know, did Herod want to worship the child? No, Herod wanted to kill the child. And so unknowingly, they have this assignment they're carrying out. But then they encounter the star over Jesus. Exceeding joy comes. And suddenly, this false purpose gets stripped off of them. And heaven comes to them. They give their treasures, and they don't return to Herod. You know, sometimes the enemy can get in this way. And we can kind of, through whatever, the wise men were not purposefully trying to carry out this wicked scheme of Herod's, right? But the enemy was trying to use them in this false purpose. But then they encounter the Messiah. And the Messiah has a way of straightening things out and making things right and restoring things, restoring purposes, fulfilling purposes. And where your purpose has gotten off track, you're not walking in joy then. But this encounter with the wise men brought back their purpose and restored joy to them this encounter with Jesus. And so today, as we're going to close here, I want us, I've seen a lot of people that God had great, wants to do great things through. And because of 
some of these areas, we went over these five areas. They've carried a false purpose. They've walked away from their purpose. They've walked away from their joy. But one encounter with the Messiah is all that's needed to restore. It's all that's needed to restore. And so if you'll stand with me this morning, us in this final song. I just want you, you can worship from where you are, but the altars are open. If you're just saying, I need the Messiah to restore joy to me. I need the Messiah to restore my purpose. I've gotten off track and I need to realign to Jesus again, to his plans for me. And so even if it's just running your race toward Jesus, you need, you've been taking some side bunny trails on your race and Jesus wants to get you back on course of your race. I want us just to, before we leave this place today and go about our business, can we just take a few moments at the feet of Jesus and worship him in joy, receiving a new measure of joy. Even if you felt the fullness of joy, listen, I just don't think that we've ever been able to truly comprehend the depths of joy that he wants to give us, what he wants us to walk in. And so I don't know about you, but I'm saying, Lord, I'll take whatever you want to give to me. I may feel very full of joy right now, but God, I think you can do immeasurably more. I think you can do beyond what I could even think or imagine. And so today, today, Jesus, we invite your joy into this place. Today, where the enemy has come to steal and to kill and to destroy the joy of the body of Christ, we say no more. You are the redeemer, Jesus, and you redeem us back. You take what the enemy has stolen and you give back immeasurably more that we can ask or imagine. And so would you do that over your people today, Jesus? Would you just come? Would you just come in your presence and begin to fill them to fullness where there's been heaviness, where there's been even just a weariness? I ask that your joy would be released over them in Jesus' name. You are not a God that, that wants us to walk in weariness, but you want us to soar. You want us to run. You want us to sprint. And you've given us your joy to do that. And so would you fill your people with joy unspeakable, joy full of glory, more than we could ask for, more than we could ever imagine having walked in before. Would you fill your people to joy? Holy Spirit, I ask that you would fill, fill, fill where there are those that have not received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I ask right now you pour yourself out upon them. Fill them to overflowing. Give them the gift of tongues that their joy might be full, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Let's just take a moment and seek this Messiah.